Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Well, the thing is, it's a digital download, so you can't even plug it, can you? You can't go like, you can't even sit in your car boot sale. And That's go, right. Who will, who will buy, who will buy my, my wonderful, wonderful cliff album? Non-physical <laughs> cliff album, yeah. That's enough music, we haven't cleared the copyright. Are we? We're allowed no, a line, no. aren't we? <laughs> Sorry? Are we allowed a you're, line? you're allowed a line. Okay. And more of Bobby Gillespie later. <laughs> um, oh, stop it! This uh, is the word. The word podcast. I'm David Hepworth, joined in the pod this week by Mark Allen and Andrew Harrison, and with the big headphones on at the back, Matt Hall. Matt Hall. Or as Tony Hancock got huge headphones on, like Tony Hancock took off in the yeah. in in the radio hammer. Said, "Oh, me, me ears are like two braised lamb chops." <laughs> I don't know how they do it with the dinner jackets there at Broadcasting House. <laughs> so, uh, news just in. Cliff Richard, uh, digital download. Uh, King of Saudi Arabia, state visit. How many limousines in from the airport to I take know the answer to you this. this morning, Mark? Go on. It will spoil it. I know this because we had this conversation earlier and I saw Clinton once in his cavalcade coming past my house in Chiswick from Heathrow Airport. Well, did he down your road? Yeah. yeah, he did have my road. Yes, my road. Yeah, he got lost. Yeah, yeah. I live on the M4. And yeah. the, uh, yeah, he had a, 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 a paltry six or seven um, uh, cars, one of which I think you now call, is it the plasma They truck, have the don't plasma truck, plasma don't truck. they? So they, they get, if you yeah. get shot, they can be mm. dealt with on site. But our Saudi Arabian, Arabian chums had, I think, a grand total of 85 limousines. 85 limousines sure about coming. Yeah, but what it said on the Today programme. On the, program. the lying BBC. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Have we been deceived again? On the sure Today programme. Are you sure it's the guy from Saudi Arabia? It's not a cat with a different name. <laughs> 85 coming down on the M4 can you imagine that so my theory is I don't think you can hire 85 limos in one day in London so some of those would have been party limos you would do you know the ones you see standing up the big long pink ones, ones <laughs> with 12 year old girls all falling out of the back making yeah, but rude girls hand gestures which one got the yellow hummer exactly yeah. well, cheap wouldn't they obviously flossing <laughs> in his yellow hummer have we, have we done limo stories have we done motor did we I can't remember 
I was once in a motorcade full of limousines. You, have you ever done this? I, I, I've been one quite I, recently. I yeah. did one with uh, uh, interviewing Phil Collins yeah. in about 1987 Clever. in Chicago. Yeah. Coming back from, they, they played an out-of-town venue, like a sort of Wembley Arena type yeah. venue. And then you had to go back to the hotel. And, uh, and he was going back to the hotel in the limousine with police outriders. To stop anybody killing him. <laughs> No, just stop the traffic. And, you know, they back it into the, yeah. the back of the the building and all yeah. that. And, uh, Very high security for Phil Collins. It's true, I have to yeah. say, I was quite excited. Yeah. And also, quite taken with how cheap it was. Because he told me it's $50 per trooper. Now, that's 1987. Yeah. So let's say it's gone up a bit. Now, if you wanted to make an, you know, if I was coming around to your house yeah. on a Sunday lunchtime, you know, stuck in traffic around the North Circular, that's my solution, isn't it? A couple of police outriders well, clearing the traffic and hanging spaces away. when you get there. That's the, that's the <laughs> yeah. Traffic wardens. Yeah. So I did it with you too from the Boston Velodrome, I think it's called. It's about two, three years ago. We were working on a, a story, in fact, for Word magazine, and it was intensely thrilling. Yeah. It, it awakes the inner schoolboy in you to be yes. inside. I was. They had one each. I was in uh, the Edges uh, limousine. And they call it doing it, yeah. They call it doing a Andrew. Stay out of it. How very green follow. And they they call it doing a runner. You know, so as the final chord, they literally put the guitars up against the amplifiers as that final chord is dying. They are running into the cars that already have the the, the doors open. And the um, shutters went up at the back of this thing and it shoots out on the ramp one after another, these black vehicles. And at the bottom are the police uh, escorts take you to the to the Boston airport and they did it in under six minutes which is so, a record so the golden I'm sorry, rule is if, I'm if sorry you, I found it if you're at one of these gigs and you can hear you, you can smell exhaust fumes stop clapping you know because yeah. they ain't coming yeah. back yeah. they're not going to they put your lighter down you yeah, just they're not the doing one more left the they're already five <laughs> postcodes away yeah. aren't they the only time I was ever in a limousine the rock band was with the MF Oh, they only had that limo very briefly. Yeah, that's where, but it was great. We were in Los Angeles with EMF, and they actually had some teenage fans in the back, and the teenage fans were impossibly excited. And EMF weren't that much older than the teenage fans, right. but were themselves impossibly excited. So nowadays, every teenager has been in a limo well, yeah, by the fifteenth yeah. birthday or some kind of limo. So if you're a rock star, what do you do? You can't travel around in a limo. It's a bit, it's a bit, it's jam, a bit isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, when I did a YouTube story about ten years ago, um, it was all uh, previous. It was you know big space cruisers, kind yeah, of right, ten yeah, people yeah. all strapped in. Bono's dad was in there, and we got rear-ended on on the, on the motorway in where was it? Uh, where's uh, Camelback Hill? Somewhere, somewhere in the middle of America. Somewhere hot. And we got rear-ended. And you had to stop. We had to stop. Yeah. So they all had to get out, did they? Yeah. I hate it when you rear-ended. Kicking tires and stuff. Yeah. A magazine, a website, a podcast. The word. So, uh, talking of children's birthdays, you've got children, Mark, well, grown-up children. What's the most you've ever spent on a birthday party for one of them? Oh, God, a birthday party. Um, not a lot, actually. Okay, about 25 honest. quid. Or yeah, probably. 50, but, yeah, yeah, that's, 50 or that's something. That's a 30 of them. You're not, you're not in the same... you can eat. You're not in the same uh, league as a chap called David Brooks, who's the uh, former CEO of the leading supplier of body armour to US soldiers in Iraq. <laughs> oh, he was charged yesterday... Busy man. I read it for the New York <laughs> Business Post. Business is going really well, apparently. Yeah. Well, absolutely. <laughs> was charged yesterday with looting the company to bankroll a lavish lifestyle that included a $10 million bat mitzvah for his daughter. Okay, how do you spend ten million dollars on a bat for mitzvah? Ten, for ten million dollars, you can have a bat cave. You don't need a bat, <laughs> bat mitzvah. Now, go on, you've got to guess. Well, how do you spend ten million dollars on a bat mitzvah? 
I suppose Britney Spears comes on first. You didn't you get Whitney Britney Houston. Sp- well, you got that's you got, half a million. You got Aerosmith. Oh right, yeah. Fifty Cent, Tom Petty, Kenny G, and the Eagles. I don't think that the daughter wanted Kenny G. I, I think, think the, that's for the, the dad. The, the G man, you can get quite cheap. How, how old are you when you have your bat mitzvah? Well, Fourteen, fifteen. I was. So, yeah. like how many of those artists are actually? In the 14 year old days, it's for the parents. It's for the parents. But I think she actually asked for G Unit and she got Kenny G instead <laughs> Kenny of very G different for Kenny G Unit. You're rolling. It says, Brooks made headlines in November 2005 when he rented two floors of the Rainbow Room in New York for the Batmints for his daughter Elizabeth. He reportedly sent the company Jet to fly Aerosmith in from Pittsburgh, paying them a million dollars. In return. Yeah. In return. They let his nephew play the drums. <laughs> That's probably an improvement for Aerosmith, that was it. In honour of the band's yeah, appearance, really. and I'm telling you, is this the most embarrassing thing a father ever did at a child's birthday? And there are many embarrassing things fathers can do. Usually involving drinking too much warm does it, wine. Does it involve a brother guitar and then trying to sing an Aerosmith No, he changed from a black leather suit into a magenta suede biker outfit covered with chains. Oh Just as a matter of interest, is that, is, is that the least, um, is that the most obvious way that you can defraud your company by hiring two floors of the highest building <laughs> yeah. in New York? Yes, yeah. As everybody worked on the basis that everybody from the company was there, yeah, yeah. yeah. Swinging, on, hoped, swinging on X's, yeah, <laughs> I kind of hoped they were all in the trough, and therefore yeah. he was probably all right. Yeah. But do you remember absolutely years ago when they edged out Clive Davis from being the boss of Columbia Records in the United States? In the early 70s, there was charge that he'd used company funds to pay for his, his son's bar mitzvah at the time, you know, so it's kind of... It's got, it's a, a, it's got a rich tradition. history. That it's got a rich history. It's the fruit and flowers of the top it's end. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so this just in, have you seen Porter Wagner died? Yeah. yeah. Porter Wagner at the age of 80. Just had an album, didn't he? He just had an album. He was... He was Latterly being yeah. being reinvented as a Johnny Cash, you know, being yeah. kind of photographed in craggy black and white. Right. There, there, there was a Johnny Cash hole in the market. Yeah, they yeah. brought yeah. Yeah. In, in every sense. Yeah. I think he's filled, filled in no uncertain Yes, yeah. Yeah. Porter had obviously been ringing up all the record companies for years, and they say, no, Johnny's got that covered. Yeah. Johnny turns his toes up, yeah. suddenly Porter's phone rings. Who's next? He's looking round to see who's next with a craggy black and white. Try this suit for size, sir. So I give you three facts about Porter Wagner. Uh, denying because he, he was obviously best known for uh, being partner of Dolly Parton musical partner of Dolly Parton yeah. brought her to Bromley's and denied the rumours that his wife had shot him uh, when she found uh, shot him and Dolly when she found them in bed together he said there was nothing to that at all she didn't even hit Dolly <laughs> <laughs> that's a brilliant story <laughs> Massively over-exaggerated. Yeah, great line. You, you know, these country people, they don't let you down. They're never boring. They've always no, got no, something no. to say. Yeah. And Dolly, when they, they split up in the early 70s, I suppose, something like that, and Dolly blamed their split, split on creative differences. I was creative and he was different. That's <laughs> superb. <laughs> That's very good. You get the impression they're actually living in a big country song, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just yeah. sounds like a song just, title. Uh, yeah. And finally, he had 50, uh, over his career, he collected 50... Of those famous rhinestone encrusted nudie suits, you know, so-called because they're designed by the tailor called nudie. Yeah, grand passages were. Yes, and many of them had the word high embroidered in the lining, so that if anybody was taking his picture, he'd just open his jacket. (laughs) (laughs) 
mean, it would say hi. That's brilliant. So, you know, Porter Wagner, yeah. respect. Yeah. That's, that's a, a proper entertainer, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and, and a fair old innings, 80 years. That's good work. The Word, a magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. So, correspondence, chaps, uh, following on last week's podcast, um, or, or things we've been talking about in recent months, I'm very grateful to Graham uh, Arden from Manchester. It was, it went to see ah. the surfer for, do you know? I went to school with his sister. Oh. <laughs> and I'm now Facebook pals with his son, which is weird. Wow. So, hi, hello, Ardens. Anyway, carry on. Oh, the extended family of word, It's very weird, yeah. You, we know everyone. But I think you and Matt are going to see Super Furry Animals. We are, right? yeah. Was that this week or something? Yeah. Not together. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. There's no need for me to throw that in, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, what are you trying to say? What are you... But uh, he went to see them last Friday in Liverpool. Uh, and when he'd seen them previously, they'd done about an hour and a half or something like that with no breaks in it. He says, this time they played for a quarter, three quarters of an hour, at which point Gruff placed a sign at the front of the stage saying, back in five minutes. And the whole band disappeared. They reappeared after the formation for five minutes and gave us another three quarters of an hour. The clue to what they were doing off stage may be the fact that they played a tape of the track Smoking over the PA in order to fill up the interval. Very good. That's an actual Makes smoking sense. break. So the band got to go out for a... The audience is desperate for fag as well. The, the audience had to yeah. stay there. But, yeah. yeah, but no, th- that works the first time that nobody knows they're nipping out for a fag and knows they, 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 they won't be back in five minutes. But as the news gets around, surely everyone in the audience... Stampede. ...will yeah. stampede to the... To the back of the venue well, and out into the street. Yeah, they started doing it five minutes before the smoking break's about to arrive, weren't yeah, they? Yeah. You know, because well, people get to anticipate all yeah. that. Well, we're going to go see the roundhouse, aren't we? And there is an open space at the back. It's, yeah. good. it's a good smoking break place. I don't smoke anyway, but it's no, good. You know, either, it's, but it's, yeah. uh, if you want to, you know. Well, you can't smoke inside the roundhouse. No, but you can get out and there's a, there's a terrace. Oh, right, so right. yes, yes. Smoking terrace. Hasn't been to the reborn one. Ben Milne has been in touch because we were discussing the offspring of Bobby Gillespie. Last week. Didn't we get one of the names wrong? Apparently we got one oh, of the names wrong. We owe Thor, or it was an apology. He said, he said the one of his children isn't called Thor, he's called Lux. Is that right? Named after? Lux Interior. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, very good, of the cramps. Yes. Oh, that's very good. And he's, he's seen Bobby Gillespie many times down at a kid's soft play centre in Stoke Newington, <laughs> where Bobby... <laughs> Bobby has been retrieving his <laughs> his uh, you know, colourfully named Sprog <laughs> yes. from the from the ball pond or yeah. something like that. Anyway, death balls. It's yeah. one of those places that smells of sweat and wee. <laughs> not it's like not, one my, not one of my most favourite favourite memories <laughs> of having like the so, you know, he's called Lux. And I was just thinking about this whole business. You know, you think about these names that rock stars give to their kids. And you imagine these names being used in a playground or public place or just the you know because the stuff parents say to kids is so kind of well grooved doesn't it it all goes back 50 years doesn't well my favourite is Jermaine Jackson's uh, is it son or daughter I don't know who's called Your Majesty Your Majesty yeah. so you're out in a park somewhere aren't you and you go Your Majesty come on and, and everybody snaps to attention that's right that's right yeah. no but it's the idea you know because how can you how, how do you reprimand a child called Thor or Lux, you know. Step into the library, Thor. <laughs> your father's really disappointed <laughs> yeah, with right. you. You know, your mother's very upset, Lux. You know, yourself... She won't tell you herself. Mm. You've let but... yourself down, Your Majesty. You've let the school down. <laughs> That's right. Well, both Michael Jackson's kids are called Prince, aren't they? 
I think so. Are they both, yeah. yeah. Is it Prince 1 and 2 or something? Yeah. How do they differentiate between the two of them? I don't know. I've got a 1 and 2. Or it's just lazy. Michael just go Prince, they'll both knows. come. Exactly. But, you know, once you've called a child Fifi Trixie Bell, it must be quite hard to kind of reprimand them on what they're wearing when they're going out at the age of 15, mustn't it? Well, what do you think? Because there's a yeah. sort of expectation in the name, isn't there? But also, Dave, you're assuming that, the per- that, that, that they're going to want to reprimand them while they're going out. The, the kind of people who call their kids Fifi, Trixie Bell are probably wearing rather stupid clothes themselves when they would be doing the reprimanding. You're not going out dressed like me. That kind of thing. Well, it's, it's, simply, yeah, it's just the reverse. They'd be saying to Fifi, Trixie Bell, you know, you've got to wear, it's compulsive, you've got to wear pink tights. And, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. You're you're looking, you can't go out in that duffel coat. Why are you yeah. wearing a Gap t-shirt and a pair of jeans? Why yeah. are you not dressed up like, you know, uh, an electric Christmas tree? What's the matter with you? <laughs> you're letting yourself down. Exactly. Yourself down, exactly, yeah. But the little bits that we read about the home life of, you know, in domestic circumstances of Bob Geldof in the papers, and I'm sure we can't trust them, do lead us to believe that he's had the same anxieties about his children as absolutely anybody would have. You know, they're not studying for their A levels; they're yeah. out, you know, DJing and so yeah. yeah. So he does have to say he does have to say those kind of things. Anyway, um, underrated names I always thought were the John Peel's kids' names. Do you know? You know, he's enormous Liverpool. Oh, football. yeah, he's a His kids' names were, and that's a mistake. We're called William Robert Anfield. Alexandra Mary Anfield, Thomas James Dalgleish, and Florence Victoria Shankly. Dave, you're pulling a funny face. Yeah. They're not very enthusiastic. It seems one. a bit sued to me. I really thought it was quite good. Well, I'm a Liverpool fan, and I think it's a bit, you know. No, it's good. It's, 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 it's an effect. It's an effect. It's a media effect. Manchester United fan in the headphones over there. We all just obviously hate Liverpool football. Is your boy called Theatre of Dreams? That's right. No, you've got a son called really Carter, the Unstoppable Sex Machine. Managed to leave Wayne out of any... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we were talking last week also about the mystery of the girl on the cover of The Blind Faith. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The well, Blind Faith album. Oh, no, because yeah. we, we did a story with the, with the account of the photographer who actually recruited her. But you've got another account. Okay, so this, this is from Rita Paul McGee, who found this on the Soulstruck boards, which are a kind of uh, web geek record thing. And the gist is basically this guy is posting, saying that uh, his dad came down to visit him, pulls out this record, and uh, oh, yeah, I know that. And he goes, oh, yeah, it's Blind Fit. No, no, I know the girl. Uh, and uh, basically his dad and his, his mother split when he was quite young. Um, and uh, he had a kid with another woman, um, and basically this girl, Mopsy, he identifies on the cover, is the sister of the stepmother. Um, and the way this tale is told on Solstrus, um, his mother is approached by the photographer saying he wants to put her on the cover of this new band, Eric Clapton's got, uh, got going. Uh, apparently everybody wanted a model in those days, so she thought she would talk it out with, with the fella. Discovers it's going to be a topless shoot, and she's a bit young for this. Um, declines, but it says that her sister Mopsy was into it and really wanted some money to buy a goat. A goat. So she got a hundred dollars for the shoot, and she got her goat. Literally got her goat. Uh, well, you see, we think it was a pony, but I love the idea that you know the oral tradition is still alive and well, yeah. and yeah. variations are being spun as yeah. we speak. You know yeah. that it's actually a goat. Well, I got via... Also, you, know, you can still get paid in goats. I think it's a good Well, in the early 70s, people were getting back to agrarian values, weren't they, Mark? You know, <laughs> when, it, when it wasn't about the bread. still yeah. big in Kazakhstan. Well, well, so, actually, yeah, more of the Turkey. world, if more of the world than otherwise, the goat is the key form of currency. Yeah. Most of Africa, well, a cow. goat is some form of wealth. Yeah. So I speak as somebody who, who bought my wife a goat from Oxfam. 
yeah. for Christmas. A I couple of you've done Christmas. one of those. Yeah. 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 How, did, how does it arrive? Uh, you, <laughs> just left at your door it's, and um, with a rib of skinned and dressed and uh, <laughs> lovely chestnut stuffing I've it's, always wanted it's a bloody good can I just plug this actually free plug for Oxfam yeah because Christmas coming up and if you're really trying to think of something to buy yeah. for somebody they do this scheme where you can buy a goat I can't yeah. remember 50 quid is it or yeah. something it's like that coming and the goat is getting fat yeah so you can buy one for it's, it's for life which, Dave it's not just for Christmas yeah but the good thing is you don't goes, have to look it goes to a family in Africa or yeah. wherever, and uh, and the person you've given it to gets a sort of card. Do you get regular updates and bulletins no. on your goats? No, you don't yeah. at all. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm sure I've had what it tasted like. <laughs> I've always wanted to see a, a goat skin being made because apparently, what you do when the, when the when the goat is killed, yes. You make a small incision around the bottom of one ankle. One ankle How did we get here? Yeah. This is and, then you, and then you inflate it, and it inflates off the carcass of the goat. And you cut the carcass out, sew it back up, and there you have a receptacle for liquids of wow. any kind. If Mopsy had known any of this for yeah. 12, she would have wanted so nothing to do with this project. It's, you know, it's the gift that keeps yeah. on giving, though, that means. You know, <laughs> well, years after you've eaten your goat, yeah, you can see you've still got your back, wine yeah. or whatever in yeah. it. So, so somebody, anyway, further to the girl on the cover of Blind Faith, um, got in touch on the site or on the Facebook group, I'm not sure, either wordmagazine.co.uk or on facebook.com. Look under Word Magazine yeah. podcast. Um, somebody got in touch and said that she's actually called Mariora. Here's an unusual yeah. one. Mariora Goshen. So it could yeah, Mopsy might well have been a Dominion. Have we and Googled it? I've I, I I got a picture. I Googled it. Got a it's very hard to find it. It's very hard, but I eventually, via this reader, yeah. thanks very much, whoever it was, sent a picture in. Because this woman is called Mariora Goshen and. Um, her cover has been blown. Bias. <laughs> no, she, yeah. it was it was kind of blown before, to be fair. Yeah. And she is, um, how can I describe it? A kind of high-end massage specialist. You know, mm. in, in the kind of very posh kind of... Uh, actual you know, therapy. Actual Mark. therapy. Laughing, properly. Legit. Postcards you see drawing. No, no, no not at all. Like not at all. Operating out of, you know, some very kind of posh... Right clinic in West London or whatever and, and consultant and lectures and so forth on on, uh, yeah. on, on massage. So yeah. Mariora Goshen. And, and I've got a picture of her. I haven't got it here but I've got it on the side. Let's really, get a work on the podcast. It, yeah. Let's, let's can, have a look. We can, no, but I'll, I should put that on the site. So, Very you know, and she's presumably in her early 50s now. Yeah. So if you know about any, if you've got any other, um, you know, people who played a, an obscure cameo let's role track, in Let's pop- track down the boy on the front of Boy. Somebody did that. Right? Yeah, well, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I think he works in a shop, doesn't he, in Dublin or something, doesn't he? In a bicycle shop, miles off. Well, of course, Pretty now, because what you always underestimate is how time flies. You know, he'll yeah. be how old? Uh, well, he was what, thirteen then, or something. Yeah. Well, on the first one, he'd been younger than that, wouldn't he? The first. Oh, yeah, to the first one, he um, You know, so so how long ago is that? Twenty-five years? Longer. You know, he'd be damn nearly 40. He'd be nearly old yeah. to read the Word magazine, Dave. That's how old he'll be. So uh, if anybody knows of any, any any of those kind of interesting little characters in pop music history that uh, we want to chase up or see if we can find out about, uh, let us know at uh, wordmagazine.co.uk. The Word. Now, I got loads of emails from mates of mine this week saying that Monday night was the last night of The Sopranos. Sunday night. Sunday night, yes. okay, tell a lie. Uh, and and I've never had so much kind of, you know, excitement around a thing. like Not for a long time, you know. Can't go out Sunday night, last night at Sopranos, you know, arranging to tape it, all this. 
I lost track of The Sopranos absolutely ages ago. Yeah. But it just struck me, that's the kind of excitement that they used to have around records. Yes. Absolutely years ago. And, you know, here's the point. Is TV actually the new rock and roll? <laughs> After poetry and comedy, yes. Um, comics. And comics, yeah. No. Yes. We were having this conversation only yesterday, <laughs> whether or not news was now the new soap opera. Yes. And the soaps are the new light entertainment. No, but yeah. seriously. Oh, it's telly the new rock and roll. I mean, well, you know, all uh, these things, Sopranos, you know, The Wire, 24. Like, so the show, it's not the new rock and roll. It's just simply the last bastion of something that can be broadcast at one single point and thus must be consumed by a large the, number of people simultaneously. That's true, but the annoying thing is, actually, it doesn't happen that way because I was pacing up and down in front of the TV waiting for The Last Sopranos to start and gnawing on my fist with kind of anxiety. <laughs> But you can only do that if you've got um, E4 and the right package and all the rest of it. For the poor old general public, this series isn't even going to show on, on regular Channel 4 until next year. So I would love to have a big old water cooler moment with everybody I know. Say, did you see this? What do you think about that? What do you think? Who's but you done, have who's to button your lip. And I can't God, because there's only yeah. a select few people I can actually talk to about it without ruining the thing. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an absolutely brilliant episode. It's utterly thrilling. And the ending in particular, sure, everybody knows the ending is very, very, very controversial. But you really want to, you want, this is one of those rare occasions when you, you want, want to, talk to, to talk to people about you it. You need. Whereas actually, you see, and this, this again sort Bloody of extends the, yeah. you know, the, 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 the metaphor, I suppose, in that you used to sit and listen to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, or God knows what, depending yeah. on your generation, in a darkened room. You know, lying back on a on a scatter cushion yeah. with a few candles, giving it your your total focus, probably on your own. And now people do that with these programs, yeah. Because increasingly they're having to organise their own sort of viewing yeah. time, aren't they? I did this with West Wing, you know, which I'd never, I had not watched at all until it finished, and yeah. then I got each box set in turn yeah. and watched every single one in turn. Now that is not something you can ask somebody else to do with you. Because it won't happen. Mm. You can't say to your well, wife like or whoever, them, they've got to be exactly tonight the at 8.30, well, people aren't synchronised like yeah. that, tell them, you know. Yeah. Well, um, I'm sort of kind of doing that with Battlestar Galactica. But even I'm kind of behind on what other people are seeing on Sky. Cause they're, 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 so you can sort of roughly talk about these things. You've got a rough idea of the, of the same things that are happening, other things happening at the same time. But you can't get but the, you never used, Yeah, but you ne- what, it's, what, it's, what this has led to is the spoiler. Yeah. You never used to have a, you know, you didn't have a spoiler with kind of was Doctor Who going to be got by the Daleks at the end of the, yeah. was John Pertwee going to get transformed at the end of that series? Yeah. Because everyone saw it at the same time. But actually, what's that? That and uh, Doctor Who alert, Claxon. The uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> viewers, sorry, viewers. Um, what, what's happened there is not so much because everybody does see Doctor Who at the same time. Yeah. But a massive show like that is now so plugged into the BBC's promotion. Um, campaign yeah. that they have to build the show almost around the teasers that are going to go out around it. You know, watch next week, there'll be a Dalek in it. Watch yeah. the week after that, the Master's coming back. And doubling it is the fact that there seems to be a leak somewhere in the BBC because I had to literally throw a copy of the sun across the room the other day so as not to see a massive, important plot point leak that the BBC hasn't put out at all. It's somehow leaked from inside the team. And it's really depressing because it just robs the whole thing of the excitement and the novelty of going bloody hell, it's not going to be Christopher Eccleston anymore. Well, it's an, it's an interesting area because the other thing that, that gets me about this is I wonder if it's if TV has occupied home time yeah. and music increasingly occupies moving around time. Yeah. You know, that people... Do people go home and put on records? 
I don't know. When you're cooking the tea, maybe. When you do Possibly. something else. Or, I don't know. Or, or, do they, or do they generally play records in the car? I, you know, I know we get a lot of feedback from people who say about our CDs, that they listen to them in the car and they, they yeah. end up with a load of them piled in the back of the My car. My sons tend to uh, program special CDs for, for individual journeys. So they don't go off in a car. We went off somewhere on, on Sunday down to Bristol and they made a CD for the journey there and the journey back. So that's that's the answer. To that. yeah, yes, yeah. they do. You know, and it's the same way as that. I, I haven't had time to listen to the Radiohead record, but I, I have programmed the day where I can put it into my iPod and listen to it in one sequence or whatever it's. So you have to do that weeks ahead. Yeah, weeks ahead. <laughs> because it's it's, we, have, oh, we have actually played it four or five. It's on constant rotation in the office. So for weirdos like us who are allowed to play music while you work, um, that's a big part of listening to music, isn't it? It's I'll listen to it while I'm working. Um, but I think this, this idea that, that everybody is kind of not putting down special special time to listen to music, I think, I think it's actually a function of age, really. I think the older you get, the more your time fills up and you have to fit the music into the time you've got. And increasingly that is the commute yeah, or yeah. the things like cooking the tea or whatever. When you're a kid, you still spend a lot of time in your room doing whatever you do in your room, whether it's your homework or just looking at rubbish on the internet or whatever. And that's... You probably listen to music there. I would have thought that's certainly well, it's our generation. The, the, the thing that the thing that the contemporary fifteen-year-old is doing, in my experience, is they're doing seven things simultaneously. Yeah, and one of them will be music. Yeah, they're, they're on the phone, they're texting, they're MSN messaging. Yeah, they're watching the telly, they're playing a some music, they're flicking through a magazine. Yeah. You know, but they they you know the criticism is that they never they never kind of focus on anything. In the way that you did with your your Dark Side of the Moon or whatever, but you know. What were the key albums? What were the key albums that the entire? Doing the, I remember being in America the yes when, album. when um, "Songs in the Key of Life" by Stevie Wonder came out, and feeling that the entire country had come to a standstill to listen to this record and mm. talk about it. Probably not such a big thing over here, actually. But that was no, a it was major, a big thing. Actually, major, I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I can only remember because of you know of a different generation. The only times I can really remember it happening, everything absolutely stopping, were uh, when London Calling came out. That's yeah, a big oh yeah, thing. absolutely. And then um, when the last two Smiths albums came out. And other than that, that I mean, that's about it, really. I can't remember other times when everybody was talking about the same record. Well, I tell you what, well, it yeah, always had to be records that were the second or third record by somebody because if it's the first oh, record, uh, like Stone Roses, it takes a while to grow. Eleven years old, my first year at school. Somebody bringing in uh, a copy of like one of those um, shoebox tape machines oh. with a copy of his big brother's uh, Never Mind the Bollocks on it, and that literally everybody in the playground, yeah. well, everyone who's eleven, was kind of trying, yeah, to, trying to get sure. in. I tell you what, though, you, in the light of this, you've got to give points to Radiohead because a couple of weeks ago they came as near to doing this as anybody's done in well, years exactly. because oh, of the yeah, nature totally. of that release. Everybody Absolutely. was talking. Well, about when you it. see. Um, when you looked at the reviews, every single newspaper had the same wizard idea. Oh, this is an original idea. We're going to review it as we listen to it. Yeah. It's going to be a kind of, it's lesser review. It's more of a commentary kind of thing. So they were sort of overdoing the immediacy, I think. But it was interesting that everybody kind of got it at the same time. And, and also interesting that people got excited about it because it was kind of difficult to get. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't completely inescapable, was it? No, you had to do something. You had yeah, to do yeah, the yeah. digital equivalent of going and queuing up somewhere. Well, I don't know. I mean, it was. I mean, I actually found I found it incredibly easy once I got out of this office with its firewall. Um, I think the only the only tricky thing about it is negotiating the idea of I'm handing in my credit card details to get something that's going to arrive in 
few days' time. Yeah, but mo- and most people would have had a similar kind of block, I would have thought. But I just waited till Andrew Harris to download it and then copied his CD. It's a right. lot easier. Okay. And, uh, disgracefully, uh, even less expensive than, than so talking one So talking of piracy and illegal copying and yeah, all that kind of thing. you can, yeah, thing. I'm your man. Uh, you know, last week, I think it was last week or the week before, we were t- I asked, had anybody seen the Pink Floyd Brick in the Wall Kids uh, documentary? And we all said no, so we didn't talk about it. And I said, has anybody got a copy of it? And somebody sent me it. Somebody sent me it. Thank you very much indeed. I haven't got his name. I think it was David. I think it was David. Somewhere in East Anglia sent it to me. I watched it last last night. It's absolutely terrific. I'll lend it to you. And Roger Waters is on this. But the thing that's been haunting me ever since, it's about the kids who sang on Another Brick in the Wall and what happened to them in terms of life and education and the effect the school had on them and the effect this experience had on them. And Roger Waters is there talking about, I desperately wanted these kids to sing on this song. It was the most important thing to me. I had a really clear idea in my head what I wanted. And, uh, and you know, there was a school nearby and somebody went round there and found the kids and they brought them to the studio and they did this. And then it was sent to me in Los Angeles and I listened to it and the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. And I thought to myself, that's really weird. You mean you weren't you there? Even there. Yeah. You weren't there. You know what I mean? This is, this is one of the key creative moments of your career and you weren't there. You know, it was it was all done at remote control. Yeah. It's almost as if it invented the internet, isn't it, Dave? But Distributed it, creativity. It's, but don't you think it's really odd? So you're going to be telling me that McCartney and Michael Jackson never met to play Ebony and Ivory, now? They didn't, they didn't yeah, stand but, on that giant piano and walk on the back of the white sheet. No, but look, if you have an idea like that, I totally agree with you. If you have an idea like that, what you, know, you write that what song. What was he doing in Los Angeles? He was in Los Angeles. At the, I, I don't think he heard it till the mixing stage or something. And so yeah. I think Bob Ezrin did it, and it was done in Los Angeles. It was 1978, was wasn't it? So everybody was a tax exile, weren't they? Um, yeah, I don't think it was just that. No, it was slightly later, wasn't it? It was 80, 81, I think. No, it was 1979, I'm sure of it. Well, anyway, whatever. And, you know, so you've got this great idea, and you want to you have kids singing on it. And you don't want to be there when it's done. You know what I mean? It's like Tom Stoppard writing a play and not wanting to go and see it. Yeah. Isn't it? He just wants to read the reviews or something. I can, I can imagine Roger Waters doesn't like kids much, though. You know what Roger Waters is like. Well, I... There might have been a problem there. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say. Anyway, don't say it. It. Was, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a very good, it's a very good documentary and they ought to show it again. It's actually one of the only things I've watched in BBC, on BBC One in the last ten years. I couldn't believe it was on BBC One. I remember when that record was number one, I remember reading Clive James's column in The Observer when he used to do the telly column. He had a real go at it. He said, it's an absolute disgrace. He said, British kids don't need no education like African kids don't need no water. Yeah. This record should be taken off the shelves. Well, uh, and what, Perfect. Uh, and what's yeah. pretty, the reaction you want? It was, it was pretty classic, wasn't it? Roger Waters clearly had a fairly privileged education. I know, yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and, and really resented it because everybody was you know, trying to put him down. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, yeah, yeah. But, but most seventeen-year-old boys shouldn't be put down. <laughs> but the funny thing is that uh, it obviously had been, you know, conceived as a searing indictment of fill in the blank. But actually, what it became was just the school disco classic that I played every Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's the thing I forgot about it. It was a Christmas hit, wasn't it? Oh, huge! Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was a Christmas hit because Christmas. it's got a kids' chorus on it. Yeah, I'm if it's got a kids' chorus or, or it's got bells, it's, it's up there with Grandad and Winifred's School Choir. So Waters would be very pleased with that. <laughs> Result. It's uh, no, and uh, and the you know the kids who who sang on it are now in their early forties. To a man and a woman, 
said, I should have paid more attention to school. You know, they were doing their best for me. Well, they they got to a kind of an incredibly modern, groovy school, hadn't they? Where it was like, hey, what do you want to learn about today, kids? Not quite as much. I mean, the head was was on the documentary, and I felt for her, you know, because she was obviously stepped into the firestorm back in the early 80s, you know, when the the papers all got onto her. But it was, it was, it's Islington, and so it's half Bash Street and half Eaton, isn't it? You know, that's the nature of Islington. Oh, God, yeah, because these kids... There were people being interviewed on there saying, yes, my parents, my father was an architect or whatever. We lived in a humongous great Georgian corner property down in Canterbury. But when you went to school, you talked like that because you didn't... You know, the worst thing to be was to be picked upon for, uh, you know, for coming from an affluent background or whatever. And they, and they all kind of merged in the middle, you know. The Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast... A way of life. You're listening to the Word Podcast. I'm David Hepworth. I'm joining the pod this week. I'm Mark Ellen, Andrew Harrison, and Matt Hall. Um, further feedback uh, from the Facebook group. Don't forget to go and, go and join it. Is it Mike Gray seeking counselling? Oh, because yeah. because <laughs> because he keeps thinking that there ought to be a band called the Crazy World of Arthur Lowe. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this reminds me of the great. And you can't think of that. Why isn't the one? Well, there should be. This reminds me of the great half man, half biscuit lyrics. Sometimes, in place of Arthur Lee, I prefer some Arthur Lowe. And I think he's right there. Well, there are there are a lot of bands that play off that, aren't there? There's John Cougar Concentration Camp. Which oh is yeah, we ran a piece about this. Yes. Yeah. Kathleen Turner Overdrive. Kath- <laughs> and there's a few other ones. Oh Christ, I can't remember them now. We ran a whole piece. Very funny. There's the, the strange kind of contractions of, of a couple of things. Somebody, somebody was responding on the Facebook group about is there a group called Steely Dan? You know, because yeah. you know, the, the, you I had a live one the other day. Go I was on. at the New Statesman magazine summer party. It was about six weeks ago, and uh, I was talking about to somebody about the Steve Miller band, and they said Dave Miliband. <laughs> <laughs> And we well, immediately yes, invented a kind of conservative yeah. rock tour yeah. de force called yeah. the David Miller Band. Labour. Labour, yeah. Sorry, Labour. Because yeah. that's a joke. There's two, they're, two, they're both two MPs, aren't Ed they? Miliband, Ed Miliband, David Miliband. Yeah. And the yeah. joke is there has to be another one called Steve, Steve Miliband. Miliband. Yeah. Is there, there is another one at home. Practising space oh, cowboy. Yeah, I'm waiting for there's a spare seat yeah. in the cabinet. <laughs> there ought to be. Ought to, one be. of these people ought to have a child and call, call this boy Steve. Well, but is perhaps there a band called the Jimmy Tarbuck Experience? There probably is. I don't know. We should have more of these. Yeah, so if you can think of any more of those, uh, get in touch at uh, wordmagazine.co.uk. At this point in the programme, it is usual uh, to have... The uh, item that we call the horror ritualistic uh, telling uh, of. Uh, you know, some people get. Some people get. I, th- I, I feel I've got to be pedantic here. Some people get in touch with this about this, and they refer to it on the site as the horror. H o a r e r. That horror, please. It's well, a. It's a. What's the spell it out, David? Hoary old rock anecdote. H o r a. Hoary old rock anecdote. Lisa, not referring to it as a w h o r e r. That's the rude no. one. Yeah, yeah later. That's, that's the, the X-rated yeah. podcast. <laughs> so, uh, what I what I thought we'd do uh, this week is uh, is seek to either confirm or deny the whiskery old tale that the progeny of Grace Slick and Paul Kantner out of the Jefferson Airplane was called God. That is okay. true, isn't it? You're going to tell me it isn't. What do you think, Andrew? 
Uh, I'll believe anything of people uh, these days. <laughs> I yeah. thought that they originally called their child gold and then had second thoughts about it, possibly when it attended primary school, and changed its name to China. Ch- Is yeah. that right? Well, OK. Come the on, story the- goes... The story goes that uh, Grace Slick gave birth to a girl in January 1971 uh, in a hospital in, uh, in San Francisco. And uh, a Sp- she says in her book, apparently, a Spanish nurse came into my hospital room to attend to antiseptics and linens. She was holding a frame certificate that looked like a high school diploma. She said, we give this to all the new mothers. But she says where she was born. What's your baby's name? I noticed a crucifix around her neck and I spontaneously said, God. We spell it with a small g because we want her to be humble. Uh, well, once again, this is a this good is case for... What, can we find rock and roll social services? <laughs> take kids off rock stars. Does she record what the, no doubt, devout Catholic nurse... I think nurses are made of very stern stuff, aren't they? They're not easily offended. Certainly, they? Yeah, <laughs> you know, they, they see all human life. Yeah, well, they? There wasn't any, any regarding of her slapping Grace Slick around <laughs> the chops and saying, yeah. stupid. Taking the baby away from the Catholic orphanage. The nurse asked me to repeat what I'd said, I obliged her. Well, After nice hearing it a second time, deciding that the blasphemy was real, she haltingly entered God on the parchment, probably expecting to go through life repeating the venas for our participation in this profanity. Uh, and then she called, apparently, the San Francisco Chronicle. Who, the nurse? So the nurse was not above making a few yeah. quid. That's a good <laughs> move. Um, and they published the story, but they later, in fact, her proper kind of registered name was, as you so rightly say, China. Not a vast improvement, though, too. I don't uh, know. Yeah. Of course, you know, one of the, when you go looking these things up nowadays, you find that China as well, what, born in 1971, you know, 36. Yeah. You know what I mean? Probably yeah, might well have grandchildren of our own or something. It's extraordinary. We know the story about Keith Richard and Dandelion, don't we? Well, Dandelion's name was changed. Well, well, that was changed to sort of Sue or something. <laughs> Gertrude, yeah. or uh, I always think it's a great you know. story of a you know child's a rock star offspring's revenge on their dad. Yeah, Joe Bowie. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Zoe Bowie. That he called Joe. him. He called, just call me it'll, Joe. It'll be Joe. Thank yeah. You. Uh, that Dandelion uh, went and changed her name by deed poll as soon as she as soon as she was old enough to do it to Angela. Yeah, which is about as conservative a name as you can possibly get. Do you think uh, Elijah Bob Patricius Googie Q Hewson, who isn't he the son of Bono, Bono yeah. changed his name to Bert or something? Probably wasn't. Oh yeah, you can, repeat, can you repeat that? Is that really? It is, yeah, it's Elijah Bob Patricius Googie Q Hewson. I know this for a fact. It's a fact, though. Yeah, it is a fact. What's the Q? Yeah. Just a, a just letter, a letter Q. Q, named after a famous rock magazine. <laughs> Highly unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> who's, the, who's the Bob? Is the, the Bob? Bob? Probably Dylan. Would it be Dylan? Or Geldof? Geldof. Or Geldof. Dr. Geldof. Patricia's Googie is, is his old friend, isn't he? He's a member of... Um, no, Googie was a, in a rock band, wasn't he? He's an artist. Googie with us. She was no, great. Him, we guy. liked it's her. Googie with us. Well, I think that's about it. That's about it for this week, isn't it? Uh, it is. That's about all we've got time for. Uh, we're going to go out and get a sandwich and restore the inner man of this. Restore point. the tissues. So, as Amy Woodhouse would say, Amy. Woodhouse. <laughs> 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 the 
Amy Woodhouse as Rob Fitzpatrick. Brilliant. Uh, as he invented a character. There'll be more about him, her, I think. On the, on the site, yeah. yeah. So don't forget to follow, follow these and other stories. Things that Amy uh, would be saying. Yes. Uh, <laughs> things that. Bur- <laughs> Things that Bertie Wooster would be saying were he living were he in the, to, in yeah, the no social way. orbit <laughs> yes. of Amy Winehouse. We just looked. Have you seen those extraordinary pictures of Amy Winehouse that I was showing Andrew just before? From we came Bonnie out? to Boney. Just a simple compare and contrast over Amy Winehouse two Over years the period ago. of what, two years? Well, I suppose two years, yeah. something like that. Well, First well, album, second album. Yeah. First album, there's about three times as much of her as there is now. And quite a significant amount of it is bosom. Yeah. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.